Hi there. Welcome to season three of But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast. My name is Bert Scholl. I'm a two-time cancer survivor, a cancer survivorship coach, and I'm the creator and host of But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast. To learn more about my coaching services, please go to BertScholl.com. That's B-E-R-T-S-C-H-O-L-L.com. We'd also really love your feedback, which you could provide by going to the BertScholl.com contact page and filling out the form. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at But Seriously The Cancer Podcast and on Twitter at But Seriously TCP. And make sure you check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash But Seriously The Cancer Podcast. And thank you so much for all you do. Today's guest is Jake O'Brien. Jake is a young, outgoing man who's always been fascinated with all things health and self-development. He's been thrown a whole bunch of challenges through his life, all of which he has found a way to overcome. Jake is passionate about fitness, mental health, and showing up as the best he can be no matter what. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jake because, to put it simply, it's raw. Jake is strong, honest, and vulnerable, and willing to be seen exactly where he is, even when he's still in the process of picking up the pieces. Jake has been cancer-free for six months. Hey, Jake, welcome to the podcast. G'day, Bert. How you doing, mate? I'm doing real well. How about you? Really good today. Had a nice night's sleep and it's a beautiful sunny day and life is good. So I'm all right. It's pretty warm where you are right now. It's, it is, yeah. It's pretty muggy and chat, but it's warm. It's good though. Like I said, I've got a bit of fresh ink at the moment. So I want to stay out of the sun for a few days at least. So yeah, I understand that's the, that's the way of it. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. covered in a blanket of snow right now up here. In I am? Oh, oh, yeah. Wow. Winter's That's going so cool. <laughs> full on. <laughs> I love the winter. I um, yeah, haven't seen snow in years, but I did a couple of seasons snowboarding and stuff in Australia here. And oh, best years of my life. Yeah, it was really good. Is that right? And I don't know much about the geography of Australia. Is the snow, is, it, is there a lack of snow or is it just where you're located? Yeah, so I, I, I'm in Sydney, Australia. Um, there isn't really much snow apart from like um, you go west and then down about 15 hours and you find a little patch of Australia that snows like Mount Kosciuszko area. All yeah. right. Yeah, I used to snowboard years ago. And man, I loved it because I skateboarded as a kid. So then when I got into snowboarding, I'm like, oh, I can do this. Easy. So great. Maybe I'll get back into it someday. Anyway, so... Tell everybody what kind of cancer uh, you were diagnosed with. All right, straight into it. So it was, what year is it now? 21. It was only a year ago, pretty much exactly, January 2020. I was diagnosed with laryngeal cancer, which is cancer of the voice box. Hence why I sound a little bit croakier than usual person. Um, mm-hmm. And that's speaking at a nice low tone. <laughs> Find it hard to project my voice and stuff these days. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, laryngeal cancer back in um, back in January twenty. And how old were you? Uh, twenty eight, twenty seven, something like that. 27, 28 years old. All right, so yeah. one idea. And laryngeal, so that is cancer of the voice box. Mm, that's that's it. Yeah, in Australia, I um was pretty much one of the youngest cases, like. They were all pretty baffled that I had it. Mm. It's um, mostly seen in kind of pack-a-day smokers that are like 50 years old plus. And I'm personally pretty health conscious and don't really smoke and don't really know 
why it happened to me so young, but I kind of do. The, the previous year I'd actually been involved in a big motorcycle accident and broke my neck and all kinds of things and had lots of, I had a spinal fusion of C1 and 2 and Wow. Yeah, so had a lot of injuries and a big rehab and yeah, I, I was like back at work for about a month and my voice started getting all croaky and I was like, what's going on here? And one of my best mates had asked me to MC for his wedding earlier in the year, earlier in 2019, because yeah, I'm quite eccentric and outspoken and the type of guy who wanted to MC for him. And yeah, that was kind of a few months beforehand and I was like, yeah, no worries. And then my voice just got kind of worse and worse and by the time it was the date of the wedding, I was, yeah, literally could not talk. It was mm. it was embarrassing to say the least. But I I being my stubborn self kind of stuck it out and was like, no, nah, I'll do it. And but it was like, no, nah, no, I'll do it. It's not gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Luckily we had someone else to kind of help out with the whole process and we kind of shared the role and he pretty much ended up having to take over because yeah, I just couldn't talk. There's you know, previously it had you know, my close friends and my clients and stuff saying, oh, it's all right, you just sound a bit like Christian Bale or something. <laughs> but then I had like, you know, a room full of 100 people thinking I was just on a week-long bender. And <laughs> yeah, so it was... Yeah, dude, dude, dude couldn't lay back for one night before his buddy's wedding. Yeah, seriously. So, um, yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. But um, that was kind of the catalyst that made me go, all right, this is, this is not right. Like, I, I did nothing to deserve to have my voice to be like this so went and saw an ENT specialist and they saw some little bumps and stuff and they said oh it's probably what we call nodules which is pretty common in people like singers and people who just basically don't know how to use their voice properly and overuse it and me being a fitness trainer and working in a gym yeah I did use my voice a lot and so they kind of put it down to that but they did a biopsy anyway came back as positive for cancer along with that though it did come along as positive for hpv which isn't very common in australia i believe it's very common in the u.s i think there's a vaccine going around for it yeah. but i guess i missed that day of school and didn't get that vaccine so i had kind of the cancer kind of attached to that so my my, my hypothesis is that you know the trauma of the bike accident the year before because it was such a complicated fracture, I fractured my odontoid peg, which is like the thing right next to your brainstem. They were really cautious about me wow. taking off my neck brace. So six months after wearing a neck brace for six months, they said, we want to run some more tests before we allow you to, you know, take it off and get back to work. And part of those tests were just like stupid amounts of MRIs and x-rays and CAT scans. And ultimately they decided that it was unstable and they had to fuse the joints together which involved major surgery and tubes down my throat going past the larynx and you know constant monitoring with different scans and yeah I'm pretty sure I just more or less had HPV sitting in there my whole life from my early 20s onwards not really affecting me and then the incident of the year before kind of you know is what triggered the I think metastasis is the correct term um of it into all right of it into cancer so that's kind of where it all started so it traveled from like the hp wherever the hpv was location it then traveled into the voice box well no that the, the, the hpv was probably only ever kind of sitting on my voice box for however long however many years it was there just un undiagnosed so like it wasn't like like it's an std but mine wasn't like on my lips or on my genitals or anything like that it was just in my voice box 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't really tell many people this, so this is pretty raw, but, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where it started. I think what happened, they cut a little bit off and they went, fuck man, I'm really sorry. You'd have cancer. Here's the next steps. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And no, it's some pretty serious trauma though to the body to like to, to break your neck. I mean, I drove a bike for probably 12 years mm. and you know, I dumped it a couple of times, but never had any injuries, mm. just, just soreness. You yeah. Know? And that's what we all fear, you know, is uh, yeah. wiping out on your bike, breaking your neck, something like that. And here you are like moving your head around, totally, like, totally sitting sweet. in front of yeah, you. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, I, I see you on your uh, Instagram feed, you know, working out. Like, yeah, working out's a big, big deal for me. And yeah. Yeah, man. And to be able to stay healthy and, and, and just to say it, man, just to not be paralyzed. Like, wow. I think about it like sometimes I'm like, it's so unnatural. The fact that I was able to go that fast for one thing, the fact that humans, like you look back 400 years or whatever, and we barely, you know, cave, cavemen or whatever, and we could, you could go as fast as you could run. And here we are today, like the same build, but we've got these super powered machines that can, mine wasn't a super powered machine. It was a hunk of junk, but you know, it got me around. Yeah. I was going about 60 odd Ks an hour and just someone cut right in front of me. And so I just went 60 Ks an hour, bang, straight into the side of that door. Oh. You know, just how un, unnatural that instinct is to happen. And then how unnatural it is for me to be able to be put back together and survive and whatever afterwards, just the whole thing's just a bit mind blowing to me. Absolutely, man. That's, you put it so well. It's like, you know, we created something that has us go far beyond our own physical capacity and has the impact on your body far beyond what a human body is accustomed to. You know, the only way we would go that fast, if that's, if that's how fast we were falling. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which And you get that kind of impact and you got through it grateful for that man that's a that's a scary thing but anyway yeah anyway yeah man this is uh, the butt seriously butt seriously podcast not the butt bike accident podcast but seriously <laughs> well yeah it, it, it does make me think about just you know as you imagine the origin of the cancer mm -hmm. it has me think like well you know when there's heavy trauma on the body mm -hmm. I wonder what that can cause. Like, so I was diagnosed in 2007 with stage two rectal cancer and I got through it, got back on my feet, back to work after a couple of years. And then, so in 2010, my wife ended our marriage. We're close now, but, and we're no longer together. But back then I was furious, you know what I mean? And it was very upsetting and I was drinking a ton and I was angry as all hell. Yep. And then like 10 months later, the cancer metastasized my liver. Am I saying that I did it? No. Am I saying people do that? No. What I'm saying is I wonder if being angry as all hell, just, you know, venom just pulsing through my veins and drinking a lot of scotch and a lot of whiskey, like, yeah. I don't think it helped, dude. No, no. <laughs> it's a funny topic, isn't it? We do and we don't know what can cause it. You can have someone that drinks scotch and whiskey every day of their life, their whole life, and don't don't get it. Yeah, I got mates and family members that smoke cigarettes constantly, and they don't have any health issues. And it's just like you know, fuck you, you know, like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm some like health nut that's done nothing but take care of himself, and yeah, here I am diagnosed with cancer. So I was a real 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 kick kick when I was down when I got my diagnosis, and I yeah, bet. imagine that same for you, bloody 
yeah, it sounds it sounds horrible. You know, you've gone through some mental trauma there, and boom, it's back. So, thirty-seven years old, diagnosed with stage two rectal cancer, no cancer like that in the family, no reasons even have it. Doctors are like, we have no idea why you have this. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, it's a but. And hell, you're ten years younger than me when you got diagnosed, and only a year after you recovered. I mean, were you really recovered emotionally from the bike accident? No, not at all. And I'm still work. I'm still working on a bit of PTSD, and I still got yeah. I still got. I see a therapist, and I got yeah. I got some mental health issues going on in my life, and I open up about a lot of those through my socials and whatever. And recently, and I suppose I've all, like I had a pretty funny upbringing as well. Let's call it dysfunctional. And then the bike accident happened, and you know when I was, I've always I've always been very like, here's what I'm doing. I'm proactive. The mask of masculinity got this. I'm strong. I'm powerful. I'll overcome whatever life throws right. at me. Yeah. And then when cancer hit, and I was just like, "Cool, I'm still gonna wear that mask and be the strong." Like, not even like when I found out I was with my partner, and she just kind of, you know, instantly burst into tears. And I, I just didn't. I just kind of took the news and walked outside and didn't really cry properly. And then I was like, "Oh fuck, I'm gonna have to call her mum and tell her, aren't I?" And called mom and told her and I could you know she didn't I, I couldn't even it was like it wasn't even crying it was it was just like dark sad energy pulsating through the through the phone and she's yeah. like I'll meet you I'll meet you at home and yeah my best mate was at home and you know, like everyone around me was just so sad and crying and I was just like sort of felt like I had my shit together and yeah I think it, it took a it took a while and yeah it takes a while to process things it's, as a bloke, especially, I think we're not very good at kind of allowing ourselves to express like the discomfort, the fear and the, all the other things that aren't brave and strong. And yeah, no, it kind of bottled up for a while, to be honest. And I was very like staying in that proactive game. And then one day I was just like, you know what? And I just felt a bit and had a bit of a mental breakdown. And then that was actually quite nice because um, yeah. that opened me up to allow myself to, you know, let it trickle out when it needed to rather than keep the keep the cap on until I was feeling really, really bad. Yeah, so looking back, I'm declared in remission and at the moment. I have heard that before though. And so yeah, it's a funny thing to deal with, isn't it? The old C word. Trying to wrap my head around like going back into a normal job and but I'm like fearful it's gonna come back. So I've I've actually resigned as a PT because, you know, it's it's a hustle and it's a hard business to to run normally and with COVID kind of affecting the fitness industry as it has and then me kind of just being scared of getting shit all sorted and together and a good mm-hmm. client base and then my cancer returning you know that's a real fear I still hold very close to my heart and I can admit that though you know and I think maybe eight months ago or so I I wouldn't I still had my uniform hanging up like you know I'll put this back on one day and yeah, it's kind of bit the bullet the other the other week, and when I uh, better resign from this from this career for now, and I've got some other stuff in the in the works, so much more suitable to someone that can't really talk all day long. Yeah, it's been a fucking journey between now and then. So yeah, I bet, man. I mean, and I've noticed on your Instagram feed, like I've really appreciated your honesty and your vulnerability, and you're saying like, look. It's a hard day. I mean, I know you have, I watched a video on there of you just crying and you're like, you want to know what it's like to deal with this? This is what it's like. 
Like, mm-hmm. and I had my own masculinity issues and I thought I was like, a, 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 well, I am a sensitive person. I thought I was an emotionally expressed person, but then I got diagnosed. I was like, oh shit. Like this whole like masculine got it handled thing. I, it, it's not gonna get me through this. Doesn't help. Like, I'm devastated. I'm scared to death. My stepson was nine. And my son was four months old. Like, get I, there was no keeping it together, man. I had to just let it happen. And it was a yeah. Be honest, you know, we didn't have Instagram back then. I had just uh, Facebook was just going, but I had a blog. You know what I mean? It was a public blog, and I would just put on there like, yeah, what do I have to give up today? I gotta gotta give up this image of masculinity and the fear of what all of you guys who I compare myself to are going to think about me because like it's it's tearing me apart and it's just it's wasting my day and like I want to live man and I'm I don't want to get caught up in like it's drama that is it's so imposed on us as guys you know the way women have you know their whole thing about you know being a woman and being feminine and this and that we all have it we're all dealing with it and i love hearing that you finally just like tossed it aside because it's you know i had to do the same thing it wasn't serving it had a purpose before cancer it wasn't serving a purpose yeah after i got diagnosed yeah one thing i've definitely learned is that you can't get you can't get grumpy and shitty at your old self for the tools that you naturally created to protect yourself you only you know put on that mask to you know make yourself feel neutral which is like you know you look at a baby and a baby is either crying laughing its head off or not really doing much at all if it was laughing its head off constantly and super happy all the time it would be a fucking weird weird baby you know <laughs> like you want it to be generally happy and at peace yeah that's the goal to be at peace right and to be you know yeah. once, once you've set goals up and stuff as an adult to be chipping away at those that's great but to pretend to be constantly happy is weird you know we should be able to just cry get on with it be neutral again chip away at your goals that's kind of how i say it now and i think that you, you mentioned there you know putting it all to the side completely i you know i still value that tool of being an alpha male and being tough here and there and you can hold both you know at the same time you can be vulnerable but you can also you know be a strong dude that's going to get through things and has a positive mindset and yeah I think it's just like as society kind of and the whole world of social media and everything develops we kind of have a lot of stuff in our face of just the happy end of the spectrum and the the highlights reels and all that and yeah, that's kind of like my goal is to kind of be like, hey, that you know, I'm I'm generally posting pretty happy stuff and I'm generally okay, like I'm doing fine, but sometimes I'm not. And I might feel like expressing that to the world as part of my own therapy to myself to 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 put my feelings out there because you know it's we don't live in little tribes anymore where if you're sad and crying, you've got you know 10 of your tribesmen coming over to you know, nurture you back to feeling better. You're, um, you know, we're quite isolated these days and the internet is kind of this weird new thing that ties us all together. And I don't know, for me, like it is it is a, a space where it it can be very therapeutic. Like you said, even, even your blog back in 2007, was it? You, yeah. you, you were able to kind of almost like diary in, into your blog and, yep. you know, journaling and diary, um, writing in, di- in a diary, sorry, is so therapeutic, you know? But I hate my own handwriting and I don't really keep a very neat diary. So for me, my outlet was 
yeah, just kind of getting online and just kind of being a bit more raw and vulnerable there. And that that was a therapeutic method for me to kind of feel a bit, you know, like I'm letting letting stuff out, which was a little bit easier than maybe physically crying and stuff at first is maybe just talking about it a bit more openly. It's super valuable with social media or whatever you're using, whatever you're using to, to tell the truth and to just actually be where we are. And when we can write it or just put it down in some kind of form, you know, for me, when I write something down, it takes it out of spinning in my head and, and, and makes it concrete, you know, and then yeah. I can actually look at it and be like, okay, that yeah. is how I feel. Yeah, 100%, you know, you get to kind of get these, all these whirlwind things and you put them on the table and you can start to, it's like setting up a chess table or something, you know, it's like a a whole mess and then you just, everything has its place and you're like, right, now I can play, like, yeah. Right, now I can see what I'm dealing with, well put, Yeah. exactly, Yeah. and like, and for me, as far as the, I like how you said, like, you know, there's the alpha male side of you, but also like the honest emotional side. Like for me, I'm definitely not alpha male, but I've always been like, let's say you and I were working on a job together that you know, it's just like, you know, swinging hammers or swinging shovels. You mm. may be able to lift more than me, but I can always keep up. You know what I mean? I would just push yeah, my cool. body. Like there's no stopping me. And yeah. Thus- I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm alpha male, like but there's aspects of that to me, definitely, for sure. But, yeah, I think I, w- I walk into a room and if there's another big personality, I'll be like, okay, you can be the big personality. And I'll, <laughs> I'll sit back and let you, like, take control. That's fine. I'll just, I'll just gotcha. sit back. Here. All right, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so, but for me, like, whatever version of, you know, that persona lives within me, like, you put it really well, that it's, it can be there, but also have your emotions expressed. And, you know, it's a, I think growing up as men, we look at, oh, okay, like, you know, this is what it means to be a guy and you put these masks on and we just told that emotion, you know, some sadness or whatever kind of emotion it is, you know, men are allowed to be happy, men are allowed to laugh, men are allowed to be angry. That's about it. <laughs> but when yeah. the sadness is there, it's like, oh, so I can still be like, you can still be, you know, you're a good size dude, you know, and if you can play, you play the alpha male sometimes in the room, you can still be that and have the emotion. And it's like, huh, okay, I didn't know that was an option, cool. Like, it, mm. you don't, it's not, it's not one or the other. It's, it's, it's very, it's not what we grow up to believe though. Right. And like, if there was, we say the word muscular, I was actually, I did a post recently kind of questioning what is toxic masculinity mean to you guys? Here's what I think of, I think masculinity is a beautiful thing, but what, what is it when it's toxic? And I got a whole bunch of responses and one of them um, directed me, me towards this movie, and if any of your listeners are interested in this topic, watch this watch this film. It's a little doco on on YouTube, and yeah, it just sunk so deep for me. I think it's called the the mask we wear, and that that's literally the topic, and it it goes into kind of some of the more ghetto regions of America, I believe it's in. Yeah, for instance, it's got all these kids in a room, and and they're like talking about stuff, and then they say, oh. We want you to write how you kind of express yourself to the world. And they'll be like, cool, fun, bye. And they're like, all right, now I want you to turn the page over and like write how you really feel. And like all these kids kind of stopped and like (laughs) were like sad and dying inside and all these like really, and they're like, pass it to the next person next to you. And then they're like looking at each other and then like, oh man, like I didn't realize, you know, like 
Yeah, so really, really, really powerful. That's just one example. Of, it's an amazing doco, and I, I highly recommend any um, any blokes out there suffering with this kind of idea of what it means to be a bloke should definitely have a look at that. The mask we wear. Beautiful. I will definitely have it in the uh, the description notes. Yeah. So people can check it out. I will watch that, man. I really, I, I hadn't, I didn't see the uh, what is toxic masculinity post. Is that something? I don't know if it's something recent you posted or. Oh, it's in there somewhere. Yeah. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. I had a. I was in the hospital a couple of weeks ago. I had a, uh, a. A blockage in my small bowel. Apparently, the surgery I had either nine years ago or twelve years ago. Created a adhesion scar tissue that develops around the small intestine and i'm like when did that happen they're like, they're like it could have happened last year i'm like years after the surgery they're like yeah so speaking of therapy like like i haven't even asked you if you had surgery we'll talk about that but i've had two major surgeries where they cut me from my sternum down to my pelvic bone and on the first one they had to turn me over and then cut me from the bottom of my pelvic bone up, up to my tailbone so when they told me I might have to have, I didn't have to have any surgery for this blockage. I was in the hospital for two days. I watched Netflix and just like hung out and, you know, relaxed, talked to the nurses. But before, when I didn't know, they said, you may have to have surgery. And like, for me, I never really fought a war with my cancer diagnosis, but the two times I went in for major surgery, I feel like, I don't know what it's like to be a soldier, but that's what I envisioned it being. I went in there cool as a cucumber. I'm like, they're about to cut into me and they're going to cut me wide open. Like, I, I can't get stressed about this. It's beyond, you know, my comprehension. I might not even live through it. Like, I just went into it laughing and, you know, my buddy, you know just doing what you got to do. So my point is, when I was in the hospital a couple of weeks ago for this blockage, they told me I might have to have emergency surgery. And I was just like, wow, I don't get to pick my surgeon. I don't get to pick my hospital. There's no mental preparation for this. And so in here record, comes the anxiety. <laughs> exactly. But here's the thing. Yeah. It, did, it didn't hit me until after I got home. Once they released me, I got home that night and a friend, she stopped by to see how I was doing. And when she opened the door, the armor fell and all the emotion just filled me and just took me over. And I, I mean, I literally felt it coming from all different directions, like, holy shit. And uh, fortunately, I'm working with, with this fantastic therapist and I was able to just work it out with him, you know, just like, just like you said, lay the chessboard out and be like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. I had the armor on going into treatment or, you know, I had the armor on for my previous surgeries and I, and I, and I was, I'm very familiar with that armor, with that mask when it's time to face a surgery. So I put it all on in the hospital. And okay. And, and it, Jake, it took me like almost two weeks to, to, to Emotion. Off, yeah. yeah man just like the emotion yeah, takes coming from every angle it's uh i was like no no i'm done with surgery man no more surgery <laughs> you know, I what, two, two weeks two weeks after you mean is when you, you started saying that yeah so yeah it hits you at funny times when you're kind of not expecting it that's yeah, for so, sure yeah for me maybe, maybe like an old sad simple plan song or something might start playing while I'm working out and I'll just be like, oh, fuck. It's just <laughs> kind of lose it. Yeah. Yeah, it just come, comes around. Yeah, your brain just like tucks it away until it's like feels like it's safe to just kind of untuck, I suppose, open up the box. Yeah. So that disconnected me from the uh, social media world. And uh, 
what I'm saying is like, I really wish I'd seen that post. I'm, I'm going to go look for it. You know, I'll send it. I'll, I'll, I'll find it and send it cool, to you. Cool, man, because it's toxic masculinity. I love that conversation because masculinity is great. Feminine it's, is great. There's nothing, nothing bad about either, but it's just when it gets toxic, when it's, yeah. just, when it's not serving anyone. At what stage is it toxic? It's, well, yeah. uh, the, the general consensus I got is that it's kind of toxic once it comes out in, you know, violence and rape and all kinds of horrible things that that men do um mm -hmm. and the thing is that i personally i have had anger issues in the past i've never i've grown up as a single child with a single mother so i'm very 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 respectful to women but i'm st i still get angry but i've never just to put it out there and lay my hands on a woman never i'm nearly 30 never have never will but i do still get really angry and i'll take that anger out on a cement wall in my apartment and punch it as hard as I can or I actually broke my foot about a month ago because I stupidly kicked a tree as hard as I could with bare feet you know <laughs> and we call this in therapy the anger iceberg whereas if you imagine an iceberg and the tip of it is quite small it's very common in a male to express anger quite easily it's you kind of go to emotion but if you look at an iceberg underneath, it's, you know, 10 times as big as it is on the top. And all that stuff underneath that anger is your sadness, your grief, your depression, whatever it might be. But we find it very challenging to kind of go under and allow those to be expressed. So you have what's called the anger iceberg. And it's about learning to kind of question, why am I angry? Okay, it's because that happened and... How does that happening actually make me feel? Oh, not actually angry. It actually makes me, you know, I'm grieving the loss of, for me, I, I lost my voice for, you know, a good 12 months. I could barely talk. It's getting a lot better in the recent few few months. But, um, yeah, I was really angry, you know, being the guy I am and being able to communicate. And your voice is obviously a big part of you as a human and, ultimately the worst thing that was going to happen with my cancer was a tracheostomy and I, you know, Googled into it and what comes up first on YouTube is like really, it was pretty disturbing to be honest, like the whole, you, so you get the hole in your chest and it's a different voice from your own. It's um, you can't talk and you can't communicate, but you know, most of the patients that I was seeing who had had the operation were like 50, 60 years old plus. There might be some people out there listening that, you know, a 20 and have had it. Um, but from most of the research that I did, I, I couldn't really see anyone my age and, you know, being in my position, having my job, it just, I was, it was heartbreaking, you know, and I was grieving the potential of that loss and I just would get fucking angry instead of grieving. And I yeah. had to, it was a process to learn how to notice that it wasn't anger. It was, yeah, it was potential grief and anxiety and all those other things. Um, so it was a tracheotomy you said that you were looking at the possibility of? Yeah, I, thought I probably pronounced it wrong. Tra tracheostomy, I think it's pronounced. Or, no, you would know better than me. I just, you know, but I, yeah, the trick, yeah. yeah it's when, they, when they cut the hole, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. they call them larry, or is it laryngostomy? Ostomy, yeah, yeah. Because they call them Larry's is the nickname for anyone that's had the operation. You're a Larry. And yeah, I didn't want to be a Larry, mate. I was... Um, I'm too, too young, fit, and healthy to be a Larry in my own personal opinion. Um, yeah, it sounds like what you're yeah. saying is there was all the grief about the possibility of having that, you know, permanent alteration of how you speak. And 
instead of just being with the grief, you just sidestepped it and went to the anger. And I mean, hell, man. The, yeah, either, either master with either anger or just trying to be proactive. And I did a whole bunch of really awesome proactive things with, with my cancer journey. I didn't kind of just roll with it and let it happen. I'm, I'm involved in a lot of Facebook groups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you get people jumping on and they're like, oh, I have no idea. What do I do? And you see the comments and they're kind of like half-hearted responses about, you know, a bunch of different tips and take this and that. And yeah, I don't know. You really gotta, you really gotta go do your own research, you know, not just not just like rely on other people's half-baked answers. I found there was so much really good knowledge out there. You you have to go looking for it. Yeah, and I I I did as much proactive stuff as I could and kind of had to let go of what I couldn't. So, yeah, a few different things that happened in my treatment on the Western side of medicine and then a few different things on the more alternative side that I partook in. Well, I'm curious about the proactive part, but before we get into that, I wanted to say, so they give you the biopsy. They tell you that you have, I'm going to try to say it, laryngeal cancer. Yeah, something like that. Did I say it right? <laughs> Lar- la- it's either laryngeal or laryngeal. 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 All right. So laryngeal. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I haven't had I haven't had an I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I got diagnosed with rectal cancer, I didn't even know what my rectum was. I would make a joke. I, I when I was younger, I'd be like, rectum damn near killed him. But I, I knew it had something to do with somewhere it's the southern side of the body, but I had no idea, man. Somewhere down south, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So they give you the biopsy, and then what did they say? What was next? They said they basically gave me the worst possible scenario, but they said it probably won't amount to that. Here's what <laughs> we usually do. I bet actually, no, first there. So it was the ENT, so the ear, nose, throat specialist who did the biopsy. Like she was, she she said, our results should be in, in in about a week's time or so. So we're like, okay, cool. And then the next day, she was like, you need to come into my office. We've already got the results. So it's like a bit of an alarm bell. Yeah. Said, yeah, it's cancer. So this is out of my hands. Um, I'm going to pass you on to a team of oncologists in in Australia. We're pretty lucky, and where I'm at, Sydney Royal North Shore Hospital actually has a I don't know, I forget the name of them, but there's actually like a board of about 25 oncologists and they have a meeting once a month and take on about 10 new patients. And that was like two days after my diagnosis. So I get told to go to this meeting. I go to the cancer ward in the hospital. I'm surrounded by people that don't look anything like me. There's people hobbling around on one leg and of people dealing with, I don't know, some kind of brain cancers and stuff that couldn't, you know, control their face properly. And I was just like, fuck, you know, I felt Mm -hmm. so scared at that stage. But I had, I had like all of my close family and friend, like my my mother, my partner, my best friend, um, insist on coming. And then I also had like an, uh, another family relative fly all the way down from fucking Gold Coast or Melbourne or something and from Melbourne, from Adelaide, sorry, to to beat. So I had like six people coming with me. I felt like this army of 
friends and family kind of rocking up and it's and so because they were around though I once again just didn't re- like just had to be like oh this is sweet whatever but you know in my head I was like fuck this is just fucking so scary um anyway so get into the room if I could chime in for one second I mean it sounds like you're like what am I doing with these people like yeah to- in-, to- to- in, in, in it was just so obscure like I was in great shape at the time this is pre knowing anything was wrong with me I'm rocking up, like, literally feeling the best I've ever felt. Like, I had a croaky voice, yeah, but apart from that, I was, you know, physically doing well. And like I said, I just felt super out of place. And I was kind of, like, instantly, like, is this how sick I am? Like, am I... There you go. Yeah. It's like, you know, is this how sick I am? Am I... I mean, it sounds so rude when I say this, but what I thought to myself is, like, am I one of these people? Like... Tell me I'm it not does. one of these people. And then I realized that these people isn't real. It was just my imagination, but it scared the hell out of me, man. Yeah, no, I I and very you, much hear you, what you're saying there. Yeah, you get it, yeah. So y'all walked in. There you are. Yeah, I walked in. Um, so for a laryngeal problem, instead of cutting you open or anything, they could actually just look at it Um with a little camera, so everyone's complaining about this coronavirus test where they do a little swab and they say they're poking into your brain. Mine was about four times longer. <laughs> Just this huge stethoscope that goes up through your nose and down through the back of your throat. And there's a little light and camera that looks at your voice box and they're kind of like get you to lean back and they're like, e, ah, and do whatever. I'm much better at saying e these days, but I, could, I couldn't even make the sound back then. Anyway, they looked at it. There's a speaker at the front going, this is Jake, he's 27 years old, he's generally very healthy, he has this cancer, let's all have a look at it together and the 25 oncologists are sitting there kind of taking notes and walk back out, you don't spend long in there and walk back out and sit back in the waiting room with all the other, these people, um, group for a good two hours just waiting and then the group chooses one oncologist to kind of take you on board. My guy came in, took me into his room, and he said, here's your options. We can give you radiation treatment or we can operate. Chemotherapy is not really an option for your particular cancer. It's not going to work, frankly, which I'm really personally glad for because, mm-hmm. you know, I hear about how challenging that is. Uh, he said, basically, if you get radiotherapy, it's going to be mo- much more gentle on your throat, but it's radiotherapy. There are also potential side effects. We know, we all, we're all listening to the Seriously Cancer podcast. We all know what radiotherapy does and what potential damage it might have on the body and potential of causing future cancers, some people might say. And yeah, being, being in the area next, all my glands were fine, you know, my, my, glands in my throat were all going to get a little bit zapped there's no avoiding zapping the esophagus your teeth might rot and fall out your mouth might fill up with ulcers Mm. all these kind of scary things or i can just simply cut the bastard out and you'll have a faster recovery time but your voice will probably be a little bit more more damaged frankly from the operation rather than the radiotherapy your voice box directly because it's like a skin if we if you had skin cancer they don't just, you know, gently cut off the skin cancer. They'll get an ice cream scoop worth right underneath it, you know, and really take the roots of it and everything out. Or mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And so that's what they do to your voice box. It was, it's, it's not surgically removed. It's with lasers. 
Star Wars kind of stuff, I think. <laughs> yeah, so so I opted for an operation surgically to remove the tumors, and that was booked in for two weeks later or so. Um, did the first operation, and, yeah, that was pretty hardcore. I woke up in not too much pain because of all the medication I was on, but then, yeah, the day or two later it hurt like buggery, and I wasn't allowed to talk for, I think, like a week or so I wasn't oh. even allowed to make any I had to I actually got an application on my phone where I had to type out and then it would like play it back in like a robotic voice and then I was like oh if I pay two dollars extra I can get like all these different <laughs> styles of voices and stuff so so I did that and had some funny voices for a week and yeah that was that and uh yeah I was told that the operation was a success and the cancer was all gone go and live your life kid fantastic at that stage COVID kind of ran its course at its worst through Sydney Australia and all the gyms and stuff went into lockdown so as horrible as COVID is it was really good timing for me because I was essentially not able to you know use my voice properly and it was kind of hard to get a get out of work card because you know by by week three or four I could kind of talk mm -hmm. And so, yeah, with COVID, shut the gyms down for six months. So that was kind of good timing for me. So everyone else had to stop working. And I felt like less of a piece of shit that couldn't work. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always hustled and worked my butt off my money and been a real move forward, move forward, move forward, goal focused, goal focused. And, yeah, when the cancer came, that all kind of, you know, puts your life on pause. And I was just, I was, I was on a good roll, you know, so... Yeah, it really sucked. As you are aware, it sucks yep. when you're diagnosed and then you have to go through the recovery process and it's like you can't really do much else. And, you know, I couldn't really be creative with much because I couldn't, you know, talk properly and I wasn't meant to train. And anyway, I was fine. I'm whinging a bit. Well, um, that's a lot though, man. It's a, when I got, when I got a lot. both times, I combine, combine it with a spinal fusion and stuff where I still like stiff and sore neck and back. And yeah, it was just like, yeah, it was pretty hard. You got hit with a lot. Yeah. You got, I got, hit, hit, you got hit with a lot, man. I mean, you did. Yeah, and I did. It's, it's, uh, it sucked. Yeah. It sucks. And it's okay to say, it's okay to say it sucks. Like, and I, I, I've, yeah, I think I have had trouble to admit that it was hard. It was fucking hard. To, yeah. You know, it, even even though I knew the cancer wasn't life threatening, or so I was told, and so I'm continued to be told, like, yeah, I was still fearful of that old tracheostomy, the whole, whole like so much anxiety about it. So, so just to cut in to continue my story, that so, so that, like we can operate, and if we operate, um, should be sweet. If the operation fails and it grows back, we can do radiotherapy. If the after the radiation, if the radiation doesn't kill it, then you have no option but to do the tracheostomy. So, yeah, after the initial operation and they told me it was fine, I kind of jumped into back into life as soon as possible, just doing normal life things and training and moving and just, yeah, I don't know, like trying to just pretend like it wasn't a problem. And then, yeah, it was about six months after because they do have you in for routine checkups. They're like, oh, it looks a bit funny. Come back in two weeks instead of, you know, a month. Hmm. And went back in and he said, sorry, kid, you still have cancer. Hmm. I'm like, you're fucking kidding. Like, so, you know, you, you completely 
I had another biopsy actually. He's like, it looks a bit funny. Let's do another biopsy on it again. It might just be scar tissue, but it might also not. And it, yeah, it was positive for cancer again. So, you know, I just kind of felt like I'd gotten over it. And then I got it again. And then it was like, right, phase two, radiotherapy. I'm like, wait, hold on. We are going way too quickly down this path towards this laryngectomy, tracheostomy, whatever it's called, yeah. for my li- for my liking, you know. And I, I haven't really, I've heard a lot. Like I, I personally eat mainly a, a plant based diet, and I have a lot of very healthy people that follow me on my social medias and were sending me resources this whole way through. Like you should try this, you should do that. You get a thousand different bits of advice and things to do. Yep. Um, and yeah, I was taking a little bit of it on board, but not much. Um, there's a documentary called The Truth About Cancer. I'm not sure who does that. It's, it, yeah, it's called The Truth About Cancer, and it's very, very informative, but it's also very, very anti-Western approach, like, mm-hmm. like super, super against it. And, I've, and I had a lot of voices in this kind of alternative space being like, the Western side of cancer treatment is so wrong. You know, the body can heal naturally and when I got the news of the, the cancer of going back, I was kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like, screw Western medicine. I'm going to beat this shit on my, on, on my own. And, um, yeah, just my partner set up a GoFundMe account to um, help raise funds to cover some of the costs because none of anything other than the Western medicine side of things is covered. Yeah, I was very blessed. I didn't realise how many people actually give a shit about me and I had... <laughs> Made 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 some money into that account within a few months. It was about ten grand, but it all went very quickly because all that alternative stuff is very expensive. Like yep. vitamin C infusions are like three four hundred bucks a pop, and they're like do like four of the like do 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 basically every day for a week, and then stop for two weeks, and then so I did all that. You know, put filtration systems in all the water, so I was you know avoiding fluoride and gargling certain things and taking all these herbs and. Yeah, I just smashed through $10,000 faster than I had ever done in my life. And yeah, about two months had passed and it kind of seemed to put it on hold. I even did like a two, I, I, I tried for a, a the, the goal was uh, two weeks of water only fasting, which is not to be tried by anyone i'm not suggesting anyone with cancer go out and jump into a water fast just because you heard me say it but Mm. um yeah i I did um to end kind of my alternative therapy approach i did a i did a big fruit fast so i ate nothing but fruit for a week and then i drank nothing but freshly squeezed organic fruit juice for two weeks and then i drank nothing but filtered water for a whole week and Mm. i lost a ton of weight. I, I dropped down to my natural weight is about 98-ish kilos. I'm six or five. I'm pretty tall. So, and I dropped down to like 84 kilos. I think I got at my lightest. And that was in the space of, you know, under a month. Like that's a crazy amount of weight to lose. And um, I felt super healthy. I felt great. And I think I set my body up to handle the next treatment better you basically kind of give your body a big old reboot and help it be able to regenerate its own cells much more efficiently. And it discards of all of the waste product in your body that is sitting around, not doing anything positive, taking up energy, just being there. It, it's a reset, essentially. A detox, you know, you detox through 
pooping, sweating, breathing, and what's the fourth one? And uh, urinating. Urinating wing, that's it, urinating. Yeah, it was really interesting. Usually when you pee, you're told you, it's meant to be clear and not, you know, dark and whatever. But when you're doing water fast, it actually starts to come out really murky and it's all of the crap coming out of your liver and you can see set like in I would I would pee into a jar and let it let it sit and observe it like an hour later and you would see all of this sediment all this wastage coming out of your urine which was wow. yeah amazing because my pee was always clear and yeah I was connected with the guy that helped me through this whole fasting process and yeah, he was talking me through how that's normal and yeah, it's amazing because the liver's there to filter essentially. That's what it does. It filters. Yeah, all of this stuff was coming out of my body. It was it was really good. But in the end, I still had cancer. So it was time to do radio. And so um Yeah, if I could chime in for one sec. Yeah, I, I did radio. Uh, I want to know about that, but I, I can relate to the detox therapy because when I got diagnosed the first time, they told me I was gonna have to have a colostomy. Now I've got one now and it's permanent and it doesn't really phase me. But back then, the only person I knew was someone who would like pass gas and stink up the room real bad. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to shit into a bag, dude. Like, no way. So my wife and I, well, she's the one who did all the research. And I did something called Gerson therapy for 10 months. And I got quarterly scans. I had blood work every month. So I wasn't just going to go into it blindly. But I, yep. I wanted to detoxify my body so that my body could fight the cancer. Yeah, and, awesome. Yeah, and like, it's called Gerson therapy now. I've heard of Gerson therapy. Yeah, it, it's it's more more or less a diet, is it? It's a diet and a lot of juicing. Yep. Yeah, it's also, very awesome. Yep. And great, so great. Lots of grapes and stuff. Uh, there, there's lots of fruit. Yeah, but it's like yeah, uh, you're uh, you're eating like a, it's it's a lot of carrot juice and a lot of green juice and then a very yep. simple diet with all the fresh fruit you can eat mostly. Is it um, meat free? Yes. Yeah, good. You substitute uh, salt with potassium, and amazing. Uh, maybe iodine. Like, you know, it, it was really great. And if you're if you don't have cancer, let's say you just want to detoxify your body, and you're doing Gerson therapy, people say wonderful. Heal your body, cleanse your yeah. body, detox your body. Yeah. But when you have cancer and you use a detox treatment, people are like, "All right, you're crazy." Yeah, you it's like yeah. But I was being monitored the whole time. After 10 months, I couldn't do it anymore because the, the cancer was just grown into a nerve and the pain was just beyond. Yeah. I and I was already on morphine. But my point is, I wasn't able to do the treatment to rid myself of cancer. However, my body had been detoxed, detoxed big time. And <clears throat> when I went in, in preparation for surgery, they did five and a half weeks of chemo and radiation. And my oncologist told me when he looked at the pathology, there wasn't a single living cell of cancer in the tumor. And prior to that, he hadn't seen that before. He'd always seen a certain amount of cancer still alive. But what happened? It did the detox. And the tumor was so weak at that point that when I had chemo and radiation, man, it just crushed it. It was like, you know, they they don't have anything to, to weigh it against. So they just give you the regular treatment. And it crushed the cancer like you said i prepped my body for the treatment it sounds like fantastic I'm- fantastic but i am um, didn't know that about you and i i yeah that's i'm not in the health space of talking about cancer much mm-hmm. but i think it's something that's 
you know, you've got these two opposing sides and it doesn't need, they don't need to oppose each other. You know, they can, like once, once again, is at a point, like you just said, it's hitting a nerve or it's, it's in an artery somewhere and it's, it's life threatening. And it's, it's, man, go that Western route and get the thing cut, burnt, whatever. But if it's not at that stage yet, do as much as you can to reset your body and get your body to on your back on your side to help fight it. And it might fight it by itself. It might not. And you might have to go get surgery or radio or chemo. But even if you do, your body's going to be in a much better place to handle it all. Yeah. And if you're, you know, overweight, unhealthy, unfit, not eating well, and then you go and get chemo and other poison chucked in into your body, that's not good. And that's how I saw it. So yeah, if you can clean yeah. yourself up before you go poison yourself, yeah, that's a great thing to do. Like yeah, I, I, I shoveled a whole bunch of the shit out before I put a whole bunch more in, you know. So it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't twice yeah. as full. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just wanted you to know I can, I can really relate to that. And uh, good, good on you, man. Because this, yeah, like I said, I, I'm kind of, I'm still involved in some of these groups on Facebook and. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's people don't people just detox, just just care for your body, you know, just get get yourself cleaned up and go and do your treatment. Like it's pretty simple. You did a fruit fast, then a juice fast, then a water fast, and your body's just like dumping out all these toxins and you can see it in yeah. your urine. Yeah. And I um well I, I did ask my my oncologist said it's time to do radiotherapy, and I said well, screw you. Can I please have a couple of months to just try and do this myself, my own way for a little bit? Got right into it. First month, he, he was still reviewing me. First month came back. He said, oh, it doesn't actually look like your cancer's growing as aggressively. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. And he gave me another month to continue on my alternative therapy. And then he said on the second visit, oh, it still looks about the same. I think it's time you just do radiotherapy. I could have pushed it back further, but I just wanted to get back to life, back to my job, back to my normal existence. So I said, fine, let's just do the damn thing. And uh, yeah, went forward with radiotherapy for laryngeal cancer. Now, radiotherapy, I it was it was really really shitty because it hit a lot of areas other than the cancer itself mainly being my esophagus now they usually give people a feeding tube if it gets bad enough mine kind of did get bad enough but I didn't get a feeding tube anyway I'm not sure why I didn't because yeah it was kind of about week two so I had the face mask and I had you know the the big machine revolves around you and it zaps it's, it tries its very best to target the only very specific spot. However, it can't help but get other things as well. Um, you know, the, the reason it zaps you from the side is so that it doesn't go straight through and zap your spinal cord because mm. then it would literally leave you. Damn. It would fuck you up, you know, if, it hits you, if radiation hit your spinal cord. So, yeah, it makes sure it avoids that. But, yeah, it hit my esophagus and, and everything. So... At about week two, my skin got really red. And then week three, it kind of, you know, started to really, really, I didn't realize I was eating a banana one day. I was swallowing a banana. Oh, fuck, that hurt. Like, 
to go with that. I thought, you know, maybe drinking a glass of Coca-Cola or something really acidic would hurt. But a banana, like, surely that's not that acidic. And it's like, yeah, it's going to get worse, mate. And, yeah, from about week three to treatment finished, I only did five weeks of radio. But week from the day it started, week week two to three, it started hurting. And then it wasn't until, like, week 10 that it stopped being pretty much the most uncomfortable few weeks of my life. I would wake up and just be in excruciating pain and all my glands like I said earlier were um didn't know what they were doing basically and I was just drooling constant saliva and I couldn't Mm. swallow it because swallowing was just so incredibly painful I could not swallow anything really I I went from this you know health junkie guru to pretty much living on ice cubes and two minute noodles for you know about two months and um yeah I, I, I I'm plant-based as well I try to eat really bugger all meat it's just my personal preference there's a few reasons why but I won't go into that but um anything like fruit or anything would just kill so like I found like all I could eat was like raw egg I had like egg flips noodles and if I was really game like some cold shaved turkey or something but even that, like the tiniest bit of salt would just like, it's like if you had a big graze on your arm and you rub turkey straight onto your arm, you know, it, it, it really, really burnt. And everyone was kind of judging like how sore I might be from like the exterior um, scab that had formed around. You can see, see how perfectly shaved my beard is. Yeah. I've actually, I've actually not shaved it. It just doesn't grow there anymore. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm actually really lucky. I've, I've got a perfect beard line forever. I don't think it grows back. A little free laser treatment. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but um, but back to complaining. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, no. Nah, it was um. Yeah, it was really. It was really. Head head and neck cancers are especially challenging. I, I believe from what I've seen on a lot of these groups, they um, yeah, really take a toll. It's like right in. You know, it's like. When things are close to your face, it's, it it really gets to your head, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, not not being able to swallow and you know breathe, and then I would wake up. I was, and then I ended up getting a chest infection as well. They should have had me on because my immune system would have been way down because my diet was so shit, and I was battling this cancer and this trying to regenerate all these damaged cells. My, I ended up with a big chest infection, so I would be kind of coughing up green gunk and then chunks of skin were coming with it and then I'd just be drooling and yeah I just lived on a diet of two-minute noodles and painkillers wow man so it had to hurt coming up too oh it's it's, like coughing was the worst thing I could possibly do but then I got I got a tickly coffee throat and it was like trying to hold a coffin and then like drooling and like oh it's just a mess it was I ended up for comedic value just calling myself the local grumpy swamp monster and getting on with it. And I would I would literally wake up in the morning and because I was on so many other like drugs and painkillers and fuck knows whatever else, I would just wake up in a pool of sweat and a pool of green gunky vomit. And like my face was like resting in a pool of green oh, salivary gunk and I'd usually wake up about, you know, five plus times a night because if I rolled over, I'd probably have had a mouthful of saliva and I'd just breathe it in and then choke on it and then cough and explode it up and I'd like cough and sit straight upright and yeah, and it would just fucking hurt and then I'd run off to the bathroom and 
just be sick. And it was just a shitty few weeks, to be honest. But, you know, it's all over now. And um, the uh, the radiation seems to have done its job. They they waited, you know, a month or two before the follow-up. And, yeah, the follow-up, I was declared. He's like, oh, it looks, looks like the cancer's all gone. You know, you're, I'm going to go ahead and say you're in remission. So good news, but I've heard it before. And I'm still worried about it coming back. Like the first time, you know, so my, you know, I had all these, yay, congratulations from the people around me, but inside I'm still like, you know, that's what they said after the operation. And this is exactly the same thing I'm hearing again. And I think it's just going to take a little bit of time before I'm able to really put that worried box away somewhere dark and somewhere there that I can't see it and just, you know, sweep it under the rug, so to speak, and stop stop worrying about it coming back. But at the moment, you know, I'll have days where my voice feels kind of worse again and I'm like, fuck, it feels like it's going back. And Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's just a constant, constant dread of, yeah. So I'm working through that. But, yeah, I guess that's something that everyone that's had cancer can relate to is that, you just don't know if it's going to come back and you feel quite fragile. I feel fragile. And that's like, you know, not me. It feels very uncohesive with the rest of my interior and exterior personality, you know, like I'm, it doesn't feel right to be on like the nice edge. It's like a wolf lurking behind me, like waiting to strike, you know, when I'm. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a lot of, a lot of anxiety behind like, regrowing a business and you know getting myself back out in there into the world because I'm scared that as soon as I do like something bad's going to happen like I had before the bike accident I had a big knee problem and then I had the bike accident and then I had cancer and it's just like one fucking thing after the other and right yeah so I'm just like fuck you know like what do you got for me next universe but <sighs> yeah man it's um yeah it is what it is and we can either allow these events to kind of mold us into you know people that are hopeless and don't see the point in anything anymore or we can let it you know fuel and be the oxygen to the fire of some beautiful shit moving forward which you know i hope to be on the other side of the coin and yeah making something really positive of yeah some of these negative experiences that i've had and yeah been stepping into the mental health space a little bit and i'm speaking at some things soon and I'm achieving stuff at the moment. I've got some new sponsors on board with doing some stuff for my training and, you know, trying Beautiful. to just do it, you know. But Yeah, well, you're walking the tightrope, yeah. man. Yeah, you, some, something like that. You want to create, what I'm hearing you say is you want to create and give to the world and create your business and let your passion start flowing again. And a part of you is like, yeah, but like, how much do I want to put into this? This thing's just going to come back and I'm going to get back into it again. And at the same time, I can also, it sounds like you also, at the same time, don't want to be just treading water. No, so no I don't. Catch 22 of like, I don't want to go all in, but I sure as hell don't want to stay where I am. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very odd position to be in. It's very strange. So, yeah, I'll work it out. Time heals. I found, you know, everyone's looking for the magic magic cure and the magic answer but i tell people to just go with the flow you know try and take control of the little things that you can each day and be proactive to the amount that feels right for you 
know, if I did every little bit of advice of things that I could have taken on board to fight the cancer, like I, I don't have the mental capacity, time, right. energy, money to do so. So, you know, you pick and choose what you, what you can, what you can do and what you can control. And I think that feeling of control is important. I think cancer kind of rips that away from you very aggressively and you're taking a little bit of ownership and responsibility and this applies to everything, not just cancer and, you know, doing as much as you can control and add, add to, you know, your healing or your contribution to the world or whatever it is. And if you can't contribute or you can't, you know, make the tumor disappear yourself, then, you know, let it go or pass that job on to someone else or yeah. So yeah, I think fuck mate. Cancer's made me pretty wise beyond my years, to be honest. I, um, yeah, absolutely. I can hear it, man. And you you mentioned earlier, like feeling fragile and it was just earlier today. uh, I was thinking about human fragility because right now in the U S there's a massive cold snap that went way down South. And like these, these States in the Southern part of the country, they don't deal with you know cold weather and snow like we do. And right now, like yeah, in Texas, they don't. The power grid can't handle dealing with the cold right now. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's on the news in here in Australia how cold it's, it is. It's brutal, man. And like it had me think about how fragile we are as human beings, and we live in a quote modern world where our fragility is managed. We don't have to pay attention to it. We don't have to even live inside of our own fragility until you dump your bike and break your neck or until you get diagnosed with cancer. And then all of a sudden, like I saw the video you posted of you trying to, I don't know if you're eating or I think you're drinking something. And it was like brutal to watch it, man. And I so appreciate you posting it. Cause it's like, people wonder what's it like? And nobody wants to ask. Like I get to ask all these questions of you on this podcast. Right. And I, I've had people, mm. listeners say to me, like, I always wanted to ask that person that question, but there was no way I was going to. And it's like, <clears throat> you brought to people, some of the things they're wondering about and it was like damn that it's hard to watch you trying to swallow something you're just fighting like i mean it was like nothing what you were drinking we are fragile creatures and like yeah. you said earlier you know back when we were living in caves and running around with spears like our fragility was very apparent and we get to yep. live under the illusion that we're not fragile creatures and we yeah. really test it when we go fast in cars or fast on motorcycles or mountain climb or you know whatever it is that we can do now. And every once in a while, we got our ass handed to us, and the universe says, "Yeah, you're fragile." Yeah, and it's, totally. it's it it's such a wake up call. The illusion gets shattered. All kinds of illusions get shattered when you get diagnosed with cancer. Mm. The illusion of 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 our you know, for men, our masculinity and perhaps our relationship to our bodies, uh, the illusion of immortality that we live with. And yeah, you know, I don't you think it's 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 so easily going to be that, you know, 90 year, 100 year, 80 year stretch. And right. Maybe fucking not. You might not get the next day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what what am I doing here? What do I want to do? Because, wow, it's uh, I'm with you, man. It's like I the first time I had cancer. Once it was gone, I'm like, I'm good. I know it's not coming back. I'm healthy. I'm moving on. And yeah. two and a half years later, it came back and it was stage four metastasized to my liver. And I hung up the phone and I said, oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah, and that was, that was nine and a half years ago. But 
it's it, it it that shattered this illusion of immortality. I realized like tomorrow's promised to no one. No, and, yeah. You know, it's that balance of I want to live my life fully, and at the same time, I get some weird feeling in my body. I get a weird sensation in a part of my body I'm not familiar with, some discomfort or pain there, and I'm like, oh shit, the cancer's back. Yeah. I get extended cough. The cancer's back. My leg hurts. My ankle hurts for more than three days. I'm like, oh, I got bone cancer. You know, and now I manage that. I've been in this for a long time now, since 2007. And I've gotten a little more acquainted with that part of the mind that just loves to just blow it up. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, you again. You had me for like three minutes, you son of a bitch, or maybe half the day. But now I'm like, I'm not hanging with you. Like, Go somewhere else and do your thing. And I'm actually, I'm curious, like, how, how have you found yourself managing that thinking, those thoughts of like, you know, mortality being limited or having, you know, your throat start bothering you and you're like, oh God, it's back. And then it's not. It's like, I'm just curious what you, what you bring to that uh, aspect of the experience. Um, yeah, good question. Or just what you found? Yeah, well, I'm still finding it out. It's only been a month since I got some good news. It's just been bad news up until that point, you know? So, so when did radiation end? Uh, about? About, about uh, 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 well, Christmas time, my throat still hurt. And I was I spent all day Christmas pretty much just in pain crying. So that was... The back end of December. Yeah, I was not having a great time, but I think it was finished kind of a week or so before Christmas. And we're now in to the people of the future, 18th of February. So it's been about, it's, it's, it's been almost it's been, a couple it's, months. Yeah, it's been almost a couple of months since radio th finished and about a, a month and a half since I got a good good note from the doctor so yeah my feeling of going back to your question how do I deal with those that internal dialogue I hate that little fucking voice so much yeah. but it is also there for a reason it's there to protect us and it's about kind of you know I think respecting it enough to you know allow it to have its say and you know if you feel like it's it's something's really wrong and genuine and going and getting checked but yeah having it there constantly is a bastard of a thing but it's not there constantly for me but oh it kind of is I don't know mate it's still all fresh wounds for me they're still still very raw and open I don't yet feel safe I don't feel safe yet um so I, I still have that that voice is still very much alive. He's not kind of I don't I don't get to kind of push him away just yet. He's, gotcha. he's sitting, yeah, it's, yeah. sitting with me still. So it's sitting with you for sure. No, that makes perfect sense. It's that's a great answer because that, that I mean not it's a great answer, but I, I miss it. It's the truth. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the, the truth. truth. And it's I the truth. It. There's no there's not always a happy ending to these stories and mine's not yet reached that point. I haven't I haven't smashed cancer and made something of myself just yet. You know, I'm still going through it. I'm still down in that ditch. Um, even though I've been declared in remission, yeah, I don't ment mentally, I still have, I'm still sick. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still scared. I'm still sick. I'm still anxious. I'm still, 
battling depression. Um, I think that voice has definitely subsided a lot. I, I do take um, antidepressants, mm-hmm. which has been brought my 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 depression probably started years ago, but it's definitely been exacerbated by my um cancer so yeah i've i've finally taken some western style antidepressants and i think that helps to quieten those voices a little bit for me you know i had some really fucking dark days during my treatment um which i opened up about for a hot minute and um uh yeah i chose to slash partner and mother like Go back to your fucking therapist, kid, and start taking your bloody antidepressants again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, they, they, they are a Band-Aid, sure. Um, the Band-Aids were invented for a reason. You, you know, you graze your knee and you got to put something on it so the germs don't get in and make it worse, you know. So it's kind of similar with your mental health. And, yeah, mine got – I grazed mine pretty bad with this cancer. And, um, yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm, I'm on some antidepressants to help manage those darker moments that you know don't need to be there i don't need to deal with that shit right now while i'm dealing with recovering um, i'll tell you man that really resonates with me after uh the second time i was once i was cancer free and they said okay your treatment's over congratulations and i'm like oh right now i gotta deal with the fact that my wife left me and like i need to go back to work and i got my kid half the week and i'm a single father how the hell am i supposed to do this i didn't sign up to do this by myself like and i got yeah. really depressed and i finally went to my doc i'm like look i need something like i'm i, I can't do this she's constant uh, yep. yeah and, and when she put me on um uh prozac and it took the volume of that voice that was just talent just Negative. would not shut up and it turned the volume from a 10 to a two yeah good and i could just yeah. be again it was like the fucking thing would not leave me alone like i, I i'd see a cow in a field and i'd be jealous <laughs> yeah you know it was right. so fucking with me that like i took i took it and it turned the volume down and it was the band-aid i needed for a while a positive note i can only drink like one cup of coffee a day when I was on Prozac, I could have like five cups of coffee. It wasn't good for me, but it was so delicious. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> those stuff gives me the jitters. I can't handle it. So that's like my one bonus of Prozac because I got to drink extra coffee. Because <laughs> wow, but I take so, I take pre workout supplements, which is just like five cups of coffee in one. So <laughs> is that right? That's <laughs> yeah, pretty gnarly. So silliness aside, though, no man, it, just, it turned the voice down. Yeah, you got to get good. a break from that voice. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I wanted to ask you about uh, about working out because that's one of the things I noticed. Like I, I, I watched your, and I follow your feed and I watched how, you know, you were trying to drink things and I saw the scar tissue on your neck. It's like, damn, this dude is going through it, man. It's like your neck got a double whammy. You already broke it once and now you're hitting it from the outside and on the voice box and... And then I, I remember you were posting, you're like, I'm working out again. Like, this feels so good. And I want to mm. preface this with like, my working out in life is short stints. I really get into it and then I lose interest. Then I get into it, then I lose interest. I never, you know, it was never much something I stuck to. Now that I'm, I'm going to be 51 in April. And now I'm like, mm. I'm doing body weight work. I'm doing like push-ups every day and I'm doing pull-ups. I realize like, my, there's a fork in the road now. And if I don't at least do some kind of, 
you know, resistance training, like I'm gonna be regretting it, but yeah, it's really certainly. inspiring, man. Like watching you get, how do I want to say this? I don't want to put you up on some pedestal that then doesn't allow you the space to be a human being. And like, this is yeah. hard, but I do want to acknowledge, like it inspired me to see, uh, you know, it's, it's dangerous to tell someone they're an inspiration because then they want to stay that and they don't want to be human. But I do want wow. to say like, it, it really inspired me, man, that you, that you've gotten back into it. Wow. Well, well, yeah. Fuck. Literally. Thank, thank you. Firstly, that's awesome of you to say. Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, sorry. That just hit me really hard because all I ever have been told is that you're inspiring. You know, you, you've been dealt these shit hands your whole life and you've like, even through my teens was pretty rough and, my early 20s was a bit of fun and then some rough stuff happened and actually changed careers. And yeah, I've just always been fucking doing good stuff, you know, and um, friends and family and loved ones have always been like, you are so inspiring. And so I started kind of sharing some of my shit on social media a bit. And and then it just became like my, my, my business tool. Um, my Instagram became, you know, just my, essentially landing page I suppose for my personal training and then yeah one day when I got hit by the car I just you know was filming myself in the back of the car and uh, no worries and just another day you know and then it ended, ended up being what it was really bad and I kind of documented the whole process and then I kind of lost that identity of personal being a personal trainer as as you know things went on and the people just kept you know, telling me I'm inspiring and I'm just literally documenting shit that's going on. And it has put so much pressure on me to be inspiring, being told it so many times. And what you just said then was fucking awesome. Um, it kind of takes that away, that, that ability to be human away from us when we're told it too often. Yeah, I really liked how you were so gentle with giving me that compliment. That yeah, that was um, yeah, that's something most people don't don't bother to do. I haven't even thought about it that way, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. That just hit me really hard. But thank you. Um, yeah, going back to fitness and and whatever. I, I suppose it's I was a really fat kid, and when I got to high school, I started being interested in girls and stuff. So I started surfing and going to the gym a little bit after that, and. And then I had this knee condition where uh, I, I'm a chef. I was a chef by trade first thing out of school and then just long hours on my feet and being a bit overweight. My, my knees just, I have a condition called osteochondritis desigans and the tip of my femur just basically has got arthritis in it. So I needed that operated on a couple of times. And that's what steered me towards fitness. And yeah, and I guess I just loved it. I got a little, you know, there's parts of it that are shallow. I like, you know, I want to look good naked and feel strong and, you know, all those physical as aspects of it, but then the mental side of things of the way it just makes your brain pump out positive endorphins. It's crazy. Like you, when you, when you, you know, start to get a rhythm of training and working out what works for you and um, getting physically stronger and start, you know, lifting up bigger weights than you used to be able to. And yeah, the feeling is just unmatched by any, any depressant or any, um, hey, I've I've tried all the drugs and yeah, the the feeling that you get of a good workout is pretty hard to beat. 
and that's obviously good for you. So yeah, I just, I don't know. It's something I'm kind of addicted to myself and yeah. So that's why I've ended up, you know, going down the road of personal trainer and that's been cool, but you know, I think it's at its end, but yeah, through cancer, I was one thing I could kind of do not to my fullest potential, but you know, it was, it was my throat and swallowing that hurt. It wasn't my legs, my arms and my torso. They were fine. They were good to go. So, um, so yeah, I actually, yeah, I ended up getting right back, right back into the gym during radiotherapy. It was not stopping me at all. And the video you're referring to, I remember that that day I was just covered in bepanth and just dripping down my neck with sweat and stuff. And I was just <laughs> deadlifting and squatting. And I remember, yeah, I was like, that, that was the stage where I was really struggling to swallow. And I was like, is me, is having a sip of water and <laughs> literally couldn't even drink a sip of water and then just go and, you know, pick a hundred kilos off the floor five times. And it felt great. You know, I found out in the end, if anyone's listening, that's got head and neck cancers in future. Uh, my one biggest tip is chewing on ice was downright the best thing I could do. It was, and it enabled me to get hydrated. It would slide down a lot easier than, than water and I guess the coldness of it had some anti-inflammatory kind of properties. So, yeah, I, I ended up just walking around the gym with crushed ice and just not giving a single fuck, just getting on with it. And nice. Yeah, pe- people looked at me like, what the hell is this guy doing? Look at how sick he is. And I just didn't care. I just went I just did it anyway. Sounds like the... Uh... The mask was on. <laughs> yeah. But also, it does sound like the benefit far outweighed the uh, cost. You're like, yeah. There was, no cost. Was... There, was, there was no cost. It was just uncomfortable. And I just pushed through. There was no cost. And I might have some... been, been told probably not, not to do it by a couple of people. But those people were, you know, kind of pretty fucking overweight oncologists that I just didn't really respect in their ideas of what fitness meant. And I... <laughs> did it anyway so like you're looking really good i'm like thanks mate wish i could say the same about you but no i didn't say but you're also talking about your mental health and if like if we don't manage our mental health when we're going through cancer and going through our Mm. treatment and then going through recovery we don't manage Mm. our mental health like okay so you got great physical health but like you're like how do i manage my mental health i'm working out and yeah. it's the greatest feeling I can bring to myself. And if and if I don't have this, then what's going to happen to me? I'm going to get depressed and start eating like shit. Yeah. And, and not yeah, take care a, of myself. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad loop. And like, I like the gym personally. That's what I'm into. I do a lot of bodyweight stuff as well. I'm, I used to be much more into that. But um, if it's just a walk, that's awesome. You know, if it's like doing Pilates or something, that's like, like you know, doesn't matter you should find some way of moving your body around if you, and there's absolutely no excuse either. You can literally so easily just jump on YouTube and Google like Pilates class for beginner. And like, it'll have you do like, it's easy as, you know, there's no excuses not to keep your body moving through cancer, unless you've obviously got something in one of your limbs that stops one of your limbs working. But then I'm sure you've got three others, you know, like I just, I don't know. Be gentle with yourself. I couldn't. I, I physically, I was so sick oh, from chemo. You're, 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 you're different. Yeah, I guess there's that, there's that side of the coin but as well. What you're saying when you're is, really going through it, yeah. But you, what you're saying is when you have the physical ability and it's yes. just your mind telling you no, 
go yes. do it. Yes. And like I'm at that point now, like I told you, like I have to start taking care of my body because it otherwise it's going to stop providing me what's come naturally, which is just my health and my, and my fit, my fit body. So like, say I'm, I don't, I'm not really big into movies so much. I have, and now actually with COVID, I've kind of become a little more of a you know, movie person. Let's say I'm watching something on YouTube or, you know, I'm listening to someone talk. I'll take a bungee cord and put the laptop on the exercise bike and sit there and pedal. My son and I finished dinner and we sat down to watch one of those, uh, Marvel is it Marvel movies? I think it's Marvel. It's the Marvel movie of you know, Captain America. Wilson and Love I, Marvel. Yeah, he and he he's on the couch and I'm on the exercise bike watching the movie till I'm sweating my brains out watching this movie because that's so awesome, man. It's easy to do, and I mean, and if you see me, I'm not a big guy. I'm not muscular, I'm, but you're I just looking, you're looking shape though for sure. I'm healthy, and I want my body to stay that way, and yep. I want my body yep. to stay that way, and it's just it's it's uh. It's simple and it's amazing how difficult it can be. It's difficult when you're not kind of already there and it can seem unachievable, but yeah, I was a personal trainer for like four years and I've seen some yeah, amazing transformations with people just starting off real slow, get yourself, you know, people say 10,000 steps a day is the minimum. And it's like, mate, that's even, that's really hard for some people. So just get moving. Even like breath work is really important. Waking up early and doing box breathing, I find gets you in the rhythm. And then what's that? Yeah. Box breathing is breathing in for a count of four, holding for four seconds at the top, breathing out for four seconds, having no air in your lungs for four seconds, repeating until you kind of feel centered. All so right. I'll give that a try. First thing I do when I wake up is I drink like 20 ounces of water. Whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. I drink whiskey. So I wake up. No, I drink, I drink 20 ounces of water. And then I have a 16 ounce cup of tea that I, you know, that I work on after that. But just like that, just so. Yeah. You got to get the water in. Yeah. It just changes everything. I can, I can move and I can think and, you know, and then I'll, then I'll meditate, but I, I'll try the box breathing and I'll see how, uh, yeah, but oh, breathing, if, if, if you just kind of, start, I'll do it anytime I'm stressing out. Yeah. Even if you're still like in mid argument with my, with my missus or something, I'll just like kind of start box breathing while we're arguing. We don't argue much, but yeah. All right, cool, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I remember I read a autobiography by Willie Nelson. He was saying how he takes like 20 deep breaths uh, when he first wakes up. But to be, I used to try that, but I would like space out by like breath 12 or 13 and just like, I never made it to 20. It yeah, like, mate, it's so much fresh oxygen for your brain, your brain, like, yeah. And I do some of the Wim Hof thing as well, but. What's that? What, whatever, you, you haven't heard of Wim Hof, mate, everyone no. in the face of the earth heard of Wim he's the, he's the bloke that can swim under bloody icy cold water. And oh, like that guy. Minutes. All right, yeah. I've yeah, the psycho psychopath dude is super skinny but can somehow do like push-ups with his feet and even on the ground like he's crazy strong and yeah he, he does his breathing where it's like and then after 30 of those you oh it's not quite i don't it's it's pretty intense and he does all the ice baths and but i do his breathing a bit and like you're meant to hold a big breath in at the end and kind of like squeeze your whole body but like I have, it's like he calls it getting high on your own supply and you literally pretty much have like a blackout <laughs> mm -hmm. 
but then you kind of come to it and you just feel like super yeah it's 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 hard to describe and it usually takes about two or three rounds to get to that stage but yeah he says like there's some kind of he's proven it it does some kind of crazy chemical thing in your brain but he got it off some old yogi from you know ten thousand years ago or something so he's just reformatted something that already existed and made a lot of money but i'll look it up i remember seeing him uh doing something in ice baths or just like you know in some like ridiculously cold water and just yeah. relaxing or something like i hate i don't really I'm, i don't really care for water i mean it, <laughs> i like to drink the stuff and i i mean i'll only swim if it's like you know we talk about fahrenheit cold. here if it's like 90 degrees fahrenheit you know then i'll swim but i don't right. water doesn't do that much for me take a shower have a drink but i see people in ice water i'm just like i'm not the same kind of human as you i want nothing to do with that <laughs> so man. he fascinates me man yeah, it's crazy. I um, I wish I had I wish I had ice pools around here to jump in. I'd go to. It's pretty cold in the winter. Yeah, I'm I'm two blocks away from the beach here. It's pretty cold in the winter, but um, yeah, I don't know. Ice ice baths are awesome if you're working out a lot for inflammation of your joints and your muscles. So, I came out of a sauna and went into a cold shower, and I had a raging headache like raging i was just like no i don't think this is for me man mm, interesting I don't get it but some people love it right we all got to do whatever you really got to pay attention to your body and do what your body wants it's literally all you need to do at the end of the day and then when shit goes wrong you see the doctor and follow orders until the orders sound a little bit out of line with what you want to do and then you take it back into your own hands and then if that's not working back to the doctor and do what they fucking say there you go it's kind of been that's been my journey mate it's um go with the flow way of the woo but also you know control what i can and don't be dictated too much by the doctors because they can say some pretty scary shit right yeah they are they are only trained in the modalities that make the western medicine world money they are not ever going to educate you anything other than that but that being said a lot of what they do is effective and shouldn't be scoffed at and i think a lot of the alternative medicine side of the world scoffs a little too hard at western medicine understandably why however um, yeah i think the two can work a little bit more cohesively together hopefully in the future but at the moment as it is like yeah it's pretty frustrating how anti each other they are and they won't kind of they won't help you see the other side of the coin there's like a mutual scoffing going on yeah 100 percent. i've been I've, I've been on both sides and it's it's amazing how uh how angry people get how divisive their communication can be about yeah. the other side of treatment and it's stressful it's, man it's so stress yeah, and to be the person yeah. and and usually these people haven't had fucking cancer usually right. right like most of these people probably haven't had cancer and you're sitting here like i am literally going through it and like come on man like give me a break there's benefits don't, of both there's benefits yeah. of both and don't make me like i i already feel pressured to do that and now you're making me feel pressured to do this and definitely not do that like you know make suggestions and let me make my own mind up so, right. Like there are accurate distinctions. For instance, like you said, Western medicine doesn't have treatment for the treatment. 
They ran me through yes, chemo radiation surgery, then six months of chemo, and they had no treatment for the treatment. You know, they gave they I had physical therapy because my system had simply atrophied. I became so weak from not moving. But yeah. as far as like right now, my immune system, man, if I get if someone gets a cold, they're sick for three days, I'm sick for 10. If someone gets a bad 10-day cold, I mean, last January, a year ago now, I was sick for from January 2nd until like the 28th. And when I've spoken to doctors about like, look, all that chemo went into me. Like, there's got to be a way to like have my body come back and bounce back and be able to handle colds and viruses. And the reality is like right now, that is not the case. And they have no treatment for it at all. They I, say, oh, I could I could refer you to a nutritionist. Now, this isn't me bashing them, but it's just saying what's so. No, they're, no. they're yeah. in the arena of finding the symptoms that will kill you and getting rid of those symptoms. Yes. Why did I get cancer? Cancer is a symptom. Something's happening in my body and it's going to kill me. So they got rid of those symptoms and I'm glad they did because I'm still here. Yes. That said, it's they don't they don't usually address the cause. They don't address the cause. And the hope is that, you know, I that that will begin. I have a friend who for a while she was in functional medicine. I'm like, oh, what's that? She goes, we can look at the root cause of our body's uh health and wellness or lack thereof and i was like this is new <laughs> she's like yeah it's it's new to western medicine but we've we got a long way to go a lot yeah. of growth needs to happen in the world of uh medicine for sure makes, in the world of healing makes me think i had so i opened up a lot about my cancer journey on some of these platforms and one bloke reached out to me he's like oh it's so interesting like what your what your diet has been these two minute noodles and and egg flips because they, like, as soon as I said it start, starts to hurt swelling, they're like, oh, you should just eat ice cream and custard. That's probably what you should eat. And then this bloke had gone through pretty much exactly what I'd gone through, but he was, you know, 10 years ago. And he's like, yeah, I followed the ice cream custard diet for, you know, to the, the two months or whatever that, you know, everything else really hurt. Now I have type 1 diabetes forever. And, oh. you know, like, and he's really like he he wasn't very healthy before then and then they told him to do that and then he yeah he de he developed late stage in his life type 1 diabetes so so i've been told um and still to this day like had, had to have his insulin and yeah didn't have it before cancer was because of this shit house diet that they the the doctors had put him on for two months so you know that's why i i, I just had noodles with no seasoning and little bits of crushed ice through them. So I, you know, wasn't eating very nutritious food, but I certainly wasn't just filling my body with sugar and fat and crap, you know? So, and that was, that was a doctor's advice. Like it just makes me a little bit, yeah, a little bit frustrated that, you know, I was given the same advice and, you know, I didn't follow it, but, and not to say, you know, that everyone that just eats ice cream for a month, but you know, he must have eaten a lot and done crap all exercise. Like, he must have really pushed the boundaries of what was possible. But, yeah, yeah just interesting oh. stuff like that, you know. Sounds brutal. And, yeah, going going back, one more thing on my um, your West First East is, so every drug that they can make, they can put a patent on. And if you can put a patent on it, you can make money off it. But you can't put a patent on anything that comes from the ground naturally. You can't, you know, marijuana, for example, you can't own marijuana. It's, you know, any company can go and start its own medical marijuana company 
or whatever other herb might be out there. There's no ownership of that stuff. And like, yeah, the earth produces everything it needs to sustain itself. And what's not to say like, we as humans need to create things to cure a disease that, you know, occurs naturally sort of within our bodies, you know, so. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I've, and I've wondered like, if sometimes we're trying to use a natural treatment for a disease that didn't arise naturally mm. because of all the toxins in the air and in the water and in the food and, you know, and the, what we put on our bodies, it's, uh, we as a, we as a planet, we as humans, we're very young in the conversation of healing our bodies, sustaining healthy bodies, and then treating our bodies when they're not well. There's so much to learn. We're in the infancy of this. I mean, it's it's totally. so obvious. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm grateful for the radiation and the chemotherapy that I had. And that's some prehistoric stuff, man. It's like we're putting crazy amounts of poison in you so that way you can live. It's like I'm looking forward. There's going to be the, there's the, there's 50 years down the line. They're going to laugh at what we used to do. But, yeah, you know, at some point down the road, they're going to be like, look what they used to do when someone had cancer. How did like they, those poor bastards, how did they survive? How did they even find it? I think they found found it out through like through war and realizing that radiation somehow, I don't know, like how they even worked it out to even be effective. It's chemo too. Yeah. I, I think it was there's a great book called The Emperor of All Maladies. And it's a biography on cancer. And I'm not going to try to say the author's name because I would destroy it. But <laughs> he wrote the book as a biography of cancer because he realized I'm talking about a living organism. This, this is this thing, this is a, this entity, you know, this thing's alive. And so he addressed it and wrote it like a biography. Wow. Um, yeah, and they talk about the first cancer treatments, you know, for like pediatric cancer, you know, they just give these kids, it's heartbreaking to be quite honest, but you listen to them treating, about, excuse me, you read about them treating leukemia and giving these kids these like blanket chemotherapies. And if, if I remember correctly, there was some kind of like toxic gas used in war that actually, I'm not gonna even attempt it. I'll just say that through exposure to it, there was reason to believe that it was actually, you know, treating people's health or reversing people's health issues. And I think that's where chemo mm. came from. Mm. Wow. And so they would do blanket chemos that would just like make these kids so unbelievably sick. And over decades, they've been able to, you know, get nah. clearer and clearer and be yeah. able to refine it and make yeah. it more specific and have it make a difference. It's a, uh, but we are, yeah, we, we are in the infancy of it. I'm glad we have it. But man, I look forward to the future for the folks who don't have to do what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, um, what do they say? Like dropping a, dropping a bomb to try and kill the ants. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like, yeah, you, you got to want to get rid of some ants or use a hand grenade. Yeah. It's blow, a bit much. blow up the dirt and everything around it. Yeah. <laughs> so... Jake, it's been great talking with you, man. It's been great getting to know you, for real. You too, man. And, uh, it's been a pleasure. You're a nice, some... you're a nice human. <laughs> <laughs> right back at Friendly you. guy. No, I love what you're doing here, man. You're opening up real conversations with people, you know, either way past it or going through it. Or it's, um, yeah, 
it's good. It's it's fucking hard having cancer and to know that you're not alone and there are people going out, people with, you know, similar struggles and, you know, I've spilled some ideas throughout this podcast and I'm sure of all your other episodes, there's so much insight people can get. I know I've heard a couple of other, I, I, I forget the name of a couple of other podcasts I listen to, but sometimes you get, if I if I listen to, tune into these people that are kind of like a little bit too much of a know-it-all and they, um, they're answering questions about how to treat and stuff and it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. And so I think a podcast like this is really powerful where it can just be, yeah, two people having conversation about ins and outs of their own personal experience without degrees in how to treat it and ideas behind it and yeah well some some ideas um hopefully but yeah no i've had a good chat this has been great i appreciate the acknowledgement man it's a i find that i mean what do i love i love i mean interviews are interesting if i want to get if i want to learn a few things about a rock star but like i really love you know, real conversation when people just open up and take the time to just pick apart anything that interests them. And I have learned from listening to my listeners that people want real conversation, man. They don't want an interview. They don't want 20 minutes and of just boom, boom, boom. I mean, some people do, but there's folks out there that are craving real, genuine conversation. You're so generous, man. You're making yourself so damn vulnerable for so many people. And what that provides provides the opportunity and the space for someone else to do the same because they're struggling yeah. with the same things you and I are struggling with. Yeah. And by you saying what you say, they're like, damn, thank you. Yeah. I've been putting up this front. I've been pretending this, pretending that I'm just gonna, I'm done. I'm just going to be me. And there's going to be thousands of people, man, who are going to hear this and they're going to be like, yeah, that dude like gave me exactly what I needed. So right back at you, man. Thank you. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. It's been it. great. Before we go, tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Um, well, I only really use one platform openly, and that's Instagram. I'm actually, it's really easy. It's just at Jake O'Brien, J-A-K-E-O-B-R-I-E-N. Feel absolutely free to reach out and say good day. I usually get back pretty quickly, and it's a nice space yeah. that we can, yeah, it's like, here's some shit I like and you can actually have a conversation with me and you're on the other side of the world and have some questions. And as soon as I kind of like started talking on some, I, I jumped into some Facebook groups and opened up about my journey and kind of put my Instagram handle in there saying, reach out if you want. And I started getting these freaking people coming my way being like, wow, cool story. Here's mine. What do you think about this, that, this? And or like someone's like, my dad has this type of cancer and uh, blah, blah, blah. And what do I do? And it's kind of like, fuck, like I'm not a doctor and I'm not qualified to give you advice, but here is my own experience. And here's some things that have helped me get through. They might or might not help you. And and people get yeah. so appreciative. And usually the tips I give are pretty left field to what the doctors have already told them. So I don't know. I think, and, and I had this one girl in particular who was like, I've been showing you, I've been showing my dad because a few older people don't know what Instagram is and whatever, but, you know, so a daughter was um, showing her, me going back to the gym after my treatment and he had the same cancer and it like re-inspired. It apparently re, she just kept communicating with me through his treatment and we still keep in touch today. And yeah, just having like 
knowing that like just by talking about it, like you're sitting there making some, you know, older gentleman who is having a really, really shitty time suddenly fly back up to life and go, oh, look at this young dude killing it, going back to the gym. And so he's even got a gym membership himself now. And, you know, like, yeah, Yeah. it's really cool. Even if, even if like this reaches one set of ears that makes them, you know, swing in the right direction and, and, you know, it's been great, you know, so. Yeah. Well, those of you listening right now, uh, the reason Jake's on the podcast, or may I say the reason he's on it, he said yes, but the reason I invited him was because I was on Instagram. And like I said earlier, I was looking at your feed and you were bringing conversations to me that matter. You talk about masculinity or you talk about health and wellness and you talk, you, you bring vulnerability to it and it's honest and it's real. And, and by the way, he does respond to your comments if you write, because before I ever invited you, like I'd written a couple of things and you got right on there and you were talking with me and you were like, yeah, I really appreciate yeah, that. Mate. Here's my experience. I was like, wow, this dude's real. Like, this is very cool. <laughs> Here so, I am, real person. I feel uh, very fortunate to have uh, have you as a Thank guest. You, Thank you, mate. I appreciate and, uh, it. Keep doing well. You too, my man. All the best, you man. Thanks so much. My absolute pleasure. See you, All mate. Right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly hope this podcast was of value to you. Please subscribe and let your friends and family know they can find But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast anywhere podcasts are made available. To learn more about my cancer survivorship coaching, please go to BertScholl.com. That's B-E-R-T-S-C-H-O-L-L.com. If you'd like to support But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast, please go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash But Seriously, the Cancer Podcast. And thank you so much for all you do. The intro and outro music you hear is the creation of Saint Kid. You can find him on social media as the Saint Kid. The purpose of this podcast is to provide a platform for individuals to discuss personal experiences with a medical diagnosis. The host and guests are not medical professionals, and the podcast is not intended to provide medical advice or psychological therapy. Whenever there is a concern about mental or physical health, please consult a qualified medical professional.